live from the Parent Nation studios, it's Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents, shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. Yeah, well, I got a news flash for you, folks. The problem with kids is parents. Excuse me, Sheryl Sandberg, but I'm not leaning in anymore. I'm sick of spilling my martini. <laughs> I'm serious. It's time to put the F word back in parenting. Fun parenting. Oh my gosh, why can't we do this? Why can't we have dance parties in our kitchens? I don't understand. And now, here's your host, Tara Kennedy Clive. Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome to the show. Hey, Kelly. Hi. Hi. How's it going? Whatever. Ah. It's it's summer vacation. Right. Summer vacation has its moments. (laughs) And then it doesn't. And then it doesn't. I don't get Uh, it. I hear you. Uh, So I just, yeah, I just got back from family vacay. Yeah. How was it? Yeah, it was, it was awesome. I love being with my family when they're forced to pay attention to each other. (laughs) (laughs) That's always the best. It is. It is. It's, you know what though? It proved to me that, um, if given the right form of entertainment and engagement, children truly can put down their electronics. So it has to be specific. What do you mean? Well, yeah. Given the right. Yeah. If you give them like, a better option, is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, if you give them a better option or any option, actually. What about the option of put your phone down or I... Or I'll ground you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to put my phone down and then what's going to happen? Then you cannot look at it. And what else will I do? And see, uh-huh. that's, that's, what I've, that's what I've realized, Kelly. That's what it's all about. It can't be put it down because I want you to. Right. And then I'm going to get pissed at you for poking me every three seconds. Mom, I'm bored. Mom, I'm bored. Mom, right. I'm bored. Mom, I'm bored. Mom, I'm bored. Mom, I'm bored. You know what I mean? It's like, I what do. What did you expect to happen? I do. It's fun. And, I, and it was pretty cool. We only spent two days at the park mm-hmm. this time. And we didn't go see the mouse. We went to the other park. Right, right. Because uh, we wanted to go see the Harry guy. Uh-huh. And uh and we only spent <clears throat> two days at the park, but it was really super cool because when you looked around at the kids walking around and stuff like that, they weren't on cell phones. Like people it wasn't a field of zombies like you see anywhere else. That had to have been quite different. It was quite unique. I did see a lot more parents losing their tempers. Mm. Which frustrated the hell out of me. Right. That was one of the top posts on Facebook last week. Yes, I saw that. Three things that you cannot beat out of your child. Tired, hot, and hungry. Mm-hmm. So stop trying. And a lot of times the parents have control over all three of those. Well, I think all the time. True story. True story. Mm-hmm. The one the one that pissed me off the most, I have to be honest with you, Kelly, the one that pissed me off the most was the dad who took the toddler into the men's room to beat the crap out of him because he wanted to fill out a survey in front of Seuss land and wanted the kid to sit still in his stroller while he filled out this survey in the blazing sun with a million kids playing and having fun in a water park-esque area right in front of him. Ugh. 
I'm like, dude, seriously? Are you that stupid? <laughs> and, uh, but You know, and what are you going to do? What are you going to say to him? What am right. I going to do? I'm going to march my ass into the men's room and say, <laughs> stop beating on your kid, right? So, you know, I did what I could. I walked up to the, the girl who took the survey. I walked up to her and I said, I just want you to know that you just rewarded that man for beating his child in the bathroom. And you really should have security for that kind of thing. And she was like, well, we can't tell our customers how to discipline their children. Hmm. I'm like, oh, well, that wasn't discipline. It was abuse. But, hey, you call it what you want to call it. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> and then that, I, love, that was- I love the parents who will take their kids to Walmart at like 11 o'clock on a school night. And they're whiny and tired. And, you know, the parents are saying, you better behave. Right. It's you know, ridiculous. They, they have total control over that. Do not take... They should be in bed. Exactly. Exactly. But here's the thing. Really? I mean, now we live in a world where if even if your kid is 11 years old, you can't leave them at home to go to the grocery store. Right. Because, God forbid, a neighbor looks in your window and sees them in there by themselves. Right. Did you see the... You saw the reports... There's so many of them. I, I was trying to, I was trying to write down the most freak, the most recent stories that I could think of, and there's so many of them that it's actually it ra- actually made me mad. I had to stop <laughs> doing. And, but the one that's killing me, the, well, there's two. There's two that are killing me right now. Mm-hmm. The one, the big one, is the 11 year old who was playing basketball in his backyard after school for 90 minutes. And the neighbor called the police. Why? And that kid was taken out of his home for a month. Why? Because the neighbor said that he, the police were there when the parents got home. They were stuck in traffic. So the kid was locked out of the house for 90 minutes after he got home from school. Mm. Um, The police said, the police report said that he had no access to shelter, food, water, or adequate bathroom facilities. Now, here's the thing. You, and this is where the truth sucks if you're a cop, right? The yeah. truth is they had an open shed with two working sinks and two working hoses. So he had shelter and water. He had already eaten his snack that was left over from his lunch. In 90 minutes, he's going to starve to death? Shut the hell up. And he and can pee outside if he needs to. The cop peed in their yard while their kid was in the car alone, in the squad car alone. What? What? <laughs> oh, my God. No. Yes. 100% true story. You can read it on any one of the articles, any one of the reports. It says the same things. You know what I think? I think that neighbor should be arrested for calling in that report. I think the neighbor should be fined for not going out, checking on the kid, realizing he was perfectly fine, and then going back in your house and minding your own damn business. That's what I think. Or, hey, honey, why don't you come on in and get out of the hut and have a little snack with us? Right? Exactly. I don't understand it. It's like, yeah, whatever happened to that? Whatever happened to neighbors being concerned for each other? Right. You know, if I saw one of my neighbor kids in the yard for an hour on a hot day, I would be, I would go out and be like, Hey honey, you want anything? Do you need anything? Are you good? What's going on? Right. No, mom's on her way home. She just got stuck in traffic. All right. Well, I'm right here if you need me. See, that's how that's yeah. supposed to go. And, and here's then a bottle we of water. 
Here's a bottle of water, sweetie. I'm just worried about you. That's okay. I drank out of the hose four times already. <laughs> right? It's, uh, I just don't understand. An 11-year-old is capable of fending for themselves for 90 minutes mm-hmm. in their own damn yard. <laughs> I knew how to break into my house at 11 years old. I knew how to break into my house at nine years old. <laughs> Didn't you? Oh, yeah. Didn't you know that one way that you could break into your house? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So I and just, the, I, ugh. I think the funny thing is if the parents were home, he would probably be out shooting some hoops anyway. Right. Right. And here's the other thing that I don't like. They took the 11-year-old and they took his four-year-old brother who was in child care. So they went to child care and picked him up. So they took the four-year-old who was in absolutely not, well, neither of them were in harm's way at all, but they took the four-year-old and the 11-year-old and put them in foster care for a month. What do you think is more damaging to those kids? Mm. Playing outside for 90 minutes? Oh, God forbid. You know, he breathed fresh air. (laughs) Or, you know, being in foster care for a month away from your parents. People are so ridiculously stupid when they make those reports. And then there's the other one, the family that had their six children seized because here, this is a good one too. The kids lived a very cushy lifestyle. All right. Mm -hmm. So the parents, the parents bought this plot of land. It was, it was like 26 acres or something like that. It was ridiculous plot of land in, um, in Michigan. Right. So they decided over summer break they were going to live on the land that they bought. So they set up all these tents. They had a tent to get dressed in. They had tents to sleep in. They had a tent that they cooked in. They had um, water, like potable water brought in and in these big tanks, right? They mm-hmm. had shower facilities closed that they were using on a park land that they were, that they were allowed to use. Um, the, all the, you know, it was basically they were camping. Right. Okay. Um, Police, someone called the police on them and said they were squatters on the <laughs> land, right? So the police showed up and said, we're, we're re- responding to a report of squatters on the land. They showed them the deed. You know, they showed them their right to be on the property. And then they, um, the next day, they confirmed with the person who sold them the land that they were allowed to be there, that they bought it. Mm-hmm. And then the police came back the next day with CPS and took the six kids anyway. <laughs> Because they said they were living in um, unfair uh, or unsafe conditions, Ugh. right? And I'm like, oh, holy shit, you better close down every Cub Scout, Girl Scout camping facility all over the United States of America. Because guess what? Those kids camp for more than nine days. And sure. they live. And they get out in nature. And they're not hooked up to electronics. And they're actually doing stuff. They're learning how to cook and do laundry Mm -hmm. and build fires and do fun things. But no, we take those kids away. Seriously? The oldest child was 17 years old. Wow. Yeah. The youngest was a year old. So the 17 year old, which I mean, now, nowadays she would be on an episode of 16 and pregnant, right? Or teen (laughs) moms. But, but that 17 year old in that circumstance wasn't old enough to care for the one-year-old while the parents went and did laundry and, and went grocery shopping. It's really, I, here's what I don't get. What, what makes you as a cop or a CPS worker? And I really want somebody to come on the show and talk about this at some point. 
What makes you go to that situation and say, yep, we need to take these kids away? The baby had a, a slight diaper rash. Okay, then you may as well take away 90% of all babies in the United States of America. Uh-huh. Right? Um, the 17-year-old was cold. She said <laughs> she was cold. She was a drama queen. She's not used to leaving her house. That's mm-hmm. perfectly climate controlled. You know? Get under a blanket and shut up. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I, I just don't get it. I, I don't understand what this world is coming to. And then and then we have the three hundred pound crazy person in the park in the bathroom at the universal beating his toddler and there's nothing we can do about it. Mm. We can't stop that though. Because that's their choice in how they want to discipline their kids. But it's not our choice in how we want to raise them. Really? Ugh. The, I, the, I'm speechless. I know it's ridiculous. I mean, there was another family in Kentucky that had 10 kids, their 10 kids taken away because they were living off the grid. I mean, seriously, Kelly, it used to be if you couldn't take government control over your family and your life, parents would say, I'm going to move off the grid. No, you're not allowed. Right. You're not allowed. Do you know the only reason this is, this is really going to piss you off. Do you know the only reason that that family in Michigan got their six kids back? Is because she could prove um, relationship to the Tlingit um, Native American tribe. And in Michigan, it's against the law to break up Native American families. That's the only reason they got their kids back. Oh, my gosh. I say we all prove that we have Native American roots. Well, yeah, we were born here, right? I'm a Native American. I was born right. in America. Right. So I'm a Native American. <laughs> and I get it. And and that's not to diss people who right. are, you know what I'm saying. Yes, it's like, really, come on. You know what you should be able to do? You should be able to prove that your children are happy, healthy, and well cared for. Right. That should be the, that should be the line that we draw on whether or not we take someone's kids away. You know? Mm-hmm. The the eleven year old, his family was charged with neglect, felony neglect, really, <laughs> for providing the kid with a basketball hoop and all that other stuff. <laughs> oh my gosh! My kids played basketball in my yard for two hours yesterday. Whoop whoop! Mm. Did oh. anyone see them? <laughs> no, thank God. <laughs> or else, who knows what would have happened. Yeah. Here's the thing, Kelly. My husband and I were talking about this the other day. And where I live, um, we're both part of our borough council. Like, I'm I'm on the Parks and Recreation Department Council. Mm-hmm. My husband's on borough council, and he's the head of Parks and Recreation for the borough. We have a pool, a, a community pool, and we have a park program, like a tot lot program, where the kids can go between 9 and 1, and there are leaders – there's park leaders there, but the park leaders are older teens themselves, mm-hmm. right? right? And so we went two years ago. There were over 100 kids registered for that program, that park program. Last year, there were 30-some. This year, we have 40. So in three a, years. Is this in, a summer thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What happened? You know what happened? Parents are afraid to let their kids play. <laughs> it's true. Uh, 
You, I, I had a neighbor call me because my children were walking across the street without me to go to the park. This is Main Street in 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 you know Twiddlebum, Pennsylvania. Right. Like, you know what I mean. And my kids were crossing the street to go to the park, and a neighbor called me and said, "Your kids are crossing the street." I'm like, "Good. At least they're not laying in it." <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It. If, if something bad happens, if they start throwing rocks at cars, call me. If they're yeah. simply crossing the street to go to the park, please shut up. <laughs> I, I don't get it. It's, it's ridiculous. We're just, we are killing childhood in America. Yes. We truly are. We say that we want parents to come home to work, but even that doesn't matter. You know? Tell that to Carrie Ann Roy, who let her kids play 150 yards away from her front porch while she was working, and a neighbor called the police on her. The neighbor brought her six-year-old home and left the eight-year-old at the playground, by the way. Brought her six-year-old home and said she didn't feel comfortable with that six-year-old playing in the park without an adult there, even though Carrie Ann could see her kids from her front porch, and then went home and called CPS. And her 12, 8, and 6-year-old were interrogated while mom had to put herself away in a bedroom and allow her children to be interrogated by police, talking to them about things like pornography, which they probably hadn't heard of until the police brought it up. Right. You know, so screw you for doing that, for making that choice for my family in the name of saving and helping my kids. We need to get it together. Mm. Too many nosy neighbors. Too many busybodies, and I don't like it. You should be more concerned with supporting and not reporting your neighbors. Mm-hmm. If you see kids playing outside, poke your head out and say, hey, kids, just want to let you know I'm keeping an eye on you. If you need anything, I'm right here. You know, and then the kids can run home and go, stranger danger, talk to me. That, you know what? Then you're doing it right. Then you're doing it right. <laughs> you know? What the heck? Oh, oh, gosh. So anyway, we're going to go back to our, we're going to go. It's home business happy hour week. I know. Woo-hoo. So when we come back from our first break, we're going to be talking to Shannon Cherry, which I'm so totally excited about because mm-hmm. she is, you know, she's the publicity pro. And, and we're going to talk to her about how to get this amazing show that we're talking about right now yeah. on TV. Right. Uh, there you go. Let's make that a television show. Bring uh-huh. communities together. We'll be right back after this break. It takes a village to pay the bills in this freaking studio, which is why Tara's taking a cocktail break and we're taking care of business with a word from these sponsors. Homeschooling? Half questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. This is the Toginet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. 
Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Littman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome back to the show. I am so excited to be talking to our first guest today. Her name is Shannon Cherry, and she has been uh, working with businesses to increase their traffic and um, and fill up seats and programs like the things that we do for over 20 years. But the thing that really got me excited about having her on is the fact that she does so much with PR. Um, and she really, we're, we're living in a time where you have to, if you're not on a TV show or have a reality TV show or on daytime TV, you're pretty much like dead in the water as far as being an expert. And so PR has become huge. And it's the thing that gets us in front of all of those people who are going to make the choices of whether or not they want to bring us on their radio programs or their TV shows or promote our books and those sort of things to get us known and give us that credibility as an expert. So um, Shannon, hey, how are you? I am great. How are you? I am doing well. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm just coming back from vacation, so I'm in re-entry mode. <laughs> oh, yeah. We had, a va- we had a mini vacation this weekend, so I get it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was crazy. I was off the grid for a week with my kids. And, um, and coming back to business after that is really kind of hard because the- my kids are still here. You know what I mean? It's not like coming back from a vacation and I can send them to school and have my eight hour work day without my kids here. It's like, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I have my kids here today too. So it's kind of like, Oh, it's wild, right? For a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. You're looking at them every five seconds, giving them the silent shut up signal, you know, like, don't talk. The look, the look. (laughs) That's awesome. So you've done a lot with, helping businesses to increase their traffic, which in, in our day and age of business, as my friend Jim Pelly says, data is money. So when you, when we say increase traffic, what we really mean is increase our visibility to our audience, right? Exactly. When it, when it, traffic is, is a funny term. It's more of a internet term, but really it's, how you get in front of other people, how you're getting people to notice you. And that has become so much harder, I believe, personally, recently, because 
this social media engine that two years ago was the only way to reach people, you know, that became the way first, first it was, if you don't have a yellow page ad, then you're not a legit business. Then it was, if you don't have a website, you're not a legit business. Then it was, if you're not advertising on social media, you're not a legit business. Now social media has become such white noise with so many other ridiculous things that you, it's really hard to capture your audience's attention there and nobody reads the yellow pages anymore there are yellow pages still <laughs> i i do get them but then again like i said i live in bumbletown pennsylvania so you know we have I think like we get them out yeah i think we get them out here in california too but i think nobody i i, I think they just go right into recycling yeah or you <laughs> use them like you you keep them in your car for your kids to sit on to boost them up a little bit yeah you know like i'm 410 so <laughs> so how how are how are you helping businesses get back into the spotlight? Well, part of it is you have to because of what you talked about and all this white noise. I mean, we're bombarded with more than forty thousand marketing messages a day, mm. each person. So what the first thing is you have to understand that because of social media. Because there are a gazillion channels on TV, because there's not only what we call terrestrial radio, but also satellite radio, uh, because of all these things, um, you really have to know who your target market is first and foremost. It's the most important thing because find it's great if you're on Facebook, you love Facebook, you work on it, but if your market is not there or you're hanging out in the wrong groups, where they're not hanging out at, you are going to not get that visibility. So the first thing you really need, you know, I work with my clients on is to get them to understand exactly who their target market is and exactly who they appeal to. And it's not everybody and anybody. It's a very narrow, narrow, narrow um, niche. And that makes it very difficult sometimes for people um, because they feel like if they narrow down, they're going to lose out. But the fact of the matter is that's the only way we can reach out to our market. And once you appeal to them on their level, they're more likely going to refer friends and, you know, give you actually word of mouth visibility, which is the most important and the priceless one. And see, that's what, that's what kills me about social media marketing is I do like I have parent nation. That is my niche market. And I get so many people who like me or want to be friends with me on Facebook and on my personal profile where I have most of my engagement, I have a limit of 5,000 people. Right. And then on my fan pages, where, you know, the world is my oyster. I can, I'm unlimited. I, you know, cosmic power. I have very few, very few, um, likes on parent nation. They're extraordinarily engaged, but I have very few likes because so many of my community are wanting to be friends with me on my personal side. And if they can't be friends with me, then they just follow me. So how do we get like, how how do you expand that when you're so limited by the medium that you're using? 
Well, the thing is, is maybe the me the the medium is. I mean, the thing about Facebook pages is that even if you had hundreds of thousands of people liking your page, only nine percent actually see what you post at any given time. Doesn't that suck? Yeah. So I'm not a big fan of using a lot of social media to reach out. What I try to do is, I mean, for you, you have all these fans. Why not create your own social network per se, like a, have a forum going on where you can actually communicate with them one-on-one and you can have an unlimited number of people communicating with you and sharing each other, sharing with each other. Instead of on your own on Facebook, who's gonna not give you what you want? <laughs> hmm. That's brilliant. I mean, that's I, mean one, I did start. I did start a social media, my own little social media platform, yeah. but I got so inundated with those bots, you know, like fake, right? Pe- Ugh, that I had to shut it down. Right. So. You, one of the big things that you talk about and that you're known for is getting people on major network television. Yes. Do you think that that, I mean, is that the pinnacle? It used to be like, if you could get your book on Oprah, that was it, man. That was the pinnacle. Actually, that's not true. Okay. (laughs) That's what people thought that Oprah had. I've gotten three people on Oprah. And the funny thing about that is, is that, um, one of my colleagues gave a challenge to any book author who made um, made ten thousand dollars or more by being on Oprah, and he was going to give them an additional ten thousand dollars cash. No one ever claimed the money. Wow. It's because author. First of all, most of the most of the authors we know are self published. Mm-hmm. Number one. The public, and then if you do have a published book, um, you're going to, the publisher makes the money, not you. Because you're already in contract, if you have a published book, you're already in a contract and you should get paid X amount of money. And once, and that's it. So most of the time, those new authors, they may have gone on and made more money with other books, but at the time, they did not make, you know, Oprah was not the golden touch. Everyone thought she was. Wow. So is it such it's, a big deal? Cause I mean, I like, okay, let's a perfect example. I was just on Dr. Oz last week. Yay. Yeah. Who knew that? Nobody. <laughs> so that's my point. I mean, it was awesome. Loved the show. It was so fun to be on the show. And yet nobody who's in my network well, that's not true. A few people commented that they saw the show, but my group doesn't watch that show. Exactly. If, if, I mean, it's a great claim to fame, but if your target market is not watching the TV show that you're, uh, that you're on, it's in some ways a way. It's great to have that moniker that you appeared on Dr. Oz, but it's also you know, if if you can't convert people, which is what it's really all about, if you can't get people to, you know, listen to your radio show more or do something else or buy from you, you've actually just wasted a lot of time and energy on something that wasn't going to produce. That's why understand it goes all back to what I said at the beginning, understanding your target market, 
where they're at, what media do they consume will get you the results you want. And see, that makes so much sense because if the people that you're targeting don't watch the Wendy Williams show, then why would you want to be on the Wendy Williams show except to say I was on the Wendy Williams show? Exactly. That's the only reason why. I mean, one of the the three people I got on Oprah actually didn't make money from Oprah. They, but it was a great way to you know show off that they were on Oprah. But mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is, their target market wasn't on Oprah. So I mean, <laughs> and and that's the other thing. Oprah's market is really kind of an in, Oprah's market was when she was on the air. The average household income of a family of a woman who watched Oprah was about $45,000 a year. Hmm. So, you know, you have to understand that. And I, I am pretty sure Dr. Oz is about the same. Right. So the chances of those people being able to drop a couple thousand dollars to go on a retreat with me or do coaching with me are pretty slim. Yes. Right. Very slim. So, so let's say that, um, the parents that are listening right now, because a lot of our audience for this show are home-based business owners, or, you know, they hope to be home-based business owners. Let's say that they're still convinced that the way that they need to get themselves out there is on, you know, a morning news show. How do they do that? Well, the first thing they would do is come up with a story or story idea that that resonates with a large target market. Again, identifying who your target market is is first. And then because even the morning news shows, you take the national one. I'll just use the national ones, even though you could do local as well. The Today Show, Good Morning America, CBS This Morning, Fox and Friends, I think. I mean, and then, I mean, those are the top four. Um, they all have different markets. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they appeal to different people. So you have to think of it as a way you understand your story and who, who, who your target market is so you can relate to it. Um, like if we pick the Today Show for you, I mean, they have a whole bunch of parenting segments on there. So if people wanted to do, you know, you have Parent Nation, and if you wanted to appear on there, I would pick the Today Show because they really, I mean, one of their leading anchors has just had a baby. So mm-hmm. for them, that's, they're doing a lot of stories on kid, on families and things like that. So hmm. that's the first so, thing. So would you want me you. to call you or would you, would you tell them to, you know, because here's the thing, if I'm going to write up a story about, you know, great things to do for the 4th of July, they're not going to take that pitch because they've already booked their 4th of July show. Well, the new, the television news business is a little different. Um, certainly in magazines and stuff it's done, but their 4th, you've got a couple of weeks, so they might be just still looking for someone right now, but I wouldn't call them on the 4th of July or the week of four, you know, July 1st and expect that to actually them. But yes, you should think ahead. So what happens after 4th of July? You have kids home for the summer. What are you going to do with them? You know, that, I mean, you could come up with a completely different story angle is, okay, we're midway through the summer now and my kids are bored to death. What do we do? I mean, that mm. would be a great story. 
So if I have an idea for something that I want to pitch to, let's say the Today Show, since that's what we're using, would I, how would I, would I get a hold of you, someone like you, and you would write that pitch for me? Yeah, it's easier. Well, a PR person per se can actually help you come up with those ideas as well. I mean, that's, that's their job. And then also, um, they, they should have the contact to be able to find the right person to pitch it to. I have a database of more than 100,000 media contacts that I use, and I have a lot of, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, so a lot of the people who are working at those I've known for years. So it's a lot easier for me to pick up the phone and call them because they know me and they trust me and they know I'm not going to um, just pitch them how wonderful I, you know, you would be. I actually pitched the story, and um, and that's what you have to be careful of. If you're so close to the story yourself that you end up saying how wonderful you are, that's not the story because they don't want stories like that. They want the story. So um, you have to find the right – when it comes to TV news you have to find or TV shows, you have to find the right producer who covers mm-hmm. that area and then find out how they want to be pitched, some like email, some like phone calls, some like, um, believe it or not, still like fax. Um, see, that's where, that's where someone like you would come in. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This is crazy. I can't believe we're out of time already. I want to keep talking to you. (laughs) Shannon, we're going to get your information up on the website so people can contact you if they want to find out more about what you do. And thank you so much for being on the show. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Jim Palmer after this break. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Littman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. This is the Toginet Radio Network, broadcasting quality programming to the world. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. 
From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome back to the show. I am so, I just want everybody to know if you were listening to the first segment, we're going to have Shannon's information up on the website because she has so much to offer. And if you're looking to get yourself out there um, to the media, she's, she's really the person to go to. So I'm so sad we had to cut her short, but I'm really excited about my next guest. His name is Jim Palmer and he's a marketing and business expert. He's the host of Newsletter Guru TV and Stick Like Glue Radio. And I, I totally love the, the whole stick like glue thing because that's something that we're losing a lot of when, when we're talking about messages that stick and things that people can remember. So I really love that he does that, but he's known internationally as the newsletter guru and he is the go-to resource for maximizing prop, the profitability of customer relationships, which I think is another thing that we're losing a lot of in customer service um, these days is the, the relationship with, um, with the people that we want to do business with. So welcome to the show, Jim. How are you? I'm good, Tara. How are you doing? I am doing great. I'm just, I'm so psyched up. I, I, am, I, I love the people that we have on today. I'm really excited to hear what you have to say because here's the thing. I am a newsletter dropout. Oh, no. <laughs> I am. I am. I, what I found was I used to do a newsletter, a, a weekly newsletter, and what I found was I was so focused on, in the very beginning, the amount of people that were opening and, and reading the whole newsletter. And when it wasn't growing as quickly as I wanted it to, I pouted, and then I walked away from it. Mm. You know, it's an awful lot like um, someone who, when they write a book, wants to achieve bestseller status as their main goal. And um, so let me tell you about that. It's very applicable. It's actually the same lesson as far as newsletters. What I tell people is when I've written six books in six years, and I've never set out to be a bestseller. I don't need to sell five or 10,000 books and therefore say I'm a best-selling author. My goal is to build my business. If I sell a thousand books or 500 books or a thousand books and my, you know, it keeps growing my business, man, I'm good (laughs) because one is about stroking your ego. The other is about growing your business. The same thing, uh, you know, in in an online newsletter, if you, if you're only worried about the people who are opening it, it's not a big number. Well, what if 10 people open it and three of them are, are constantly engaged with you and buying your programs? My guess is it's still worth your time. You know, even at a low number, but it's always about the people you're engaged with, interacting with, and continuing to develop a relationship with. You're absolutely right. And, you know, it's so funny because I say the same types of things to my kids. You know, if they plan a party and only three people show up, they're focused on the 15 who didn't. And I'm like, but you need to make it a good experience for the three people who cared enough to show up. That's right. You know, you mentioned Newsletter Guru TV. Do you know in... um 
in July, it'll be six years that I've been doing weekly videos. When I started in July of 2009 with my little flip cam, um, I think I might have had, well, let me see, my mother and my sister and my brother probably watched. <laughs> you know, today, on average, twelve to 1,500 small business owners watch my videos, but it was slow going. Now, good thing I didn't drop out after a year or two when, you know, who knows, it was 30 or 40, I don't know the exact number, but, you know, it just takes a while to build some momentum and get some, you know, credibility and things like that. So it, it is, it, you know, growing a marketing and growing a business is a process. It's, it's not an event for sure. Do you think that it has a lot to do with two things that I'm noticing in, in parents today that are trying to start home-based businesses? One is we believe that we're too busy to do anything other than what we're doing. And the other thing is we want everything to be perfect. You know, I write about that and decide the need to be perfect is not only a um it's not only something that'll just drag you down and slow down your progress. It can be a deal killer because the need to be perfect prevents you from moving forward. Growing businesses, Tara, love momentum. Momentum comes from being in action. You know, I know I work with an editor, and, you know, between my editor and myself, we probably proofread my books 30 times. I'm just guessing. I don't know for sure, but, you know, a <laughs> lot of times. And yet I know fully well that when we push the, grow, the, the green go button and that book goes live, I know for a fact on page 137, I probably missed a comma, and, you know, I probably have S-O-N instead of S-U-N somewhere, you know. It's just things like that. But, you know, I learned a really important lesson. My first book, it took me 18 months to write. I can now write a book in about 60 days. But when my first book was actually done in a year and it took me six months of trying to find, I wanted that thing to be perfect because, you know what, my name was going to be on it. And right. I went to this conference and I heard somebody say, you know, if, you're, if your book is on the shelf, it's got a good cover and somebody buys it and you help them, well, first of all, you sold a book, could turn into a client. But if that book is still in your word processor because you're obsessing over finding every last error. It's not helping anybody. It's not building your business. It's not doing anything. So get it out there. So the need to be perfect is definitely a, a, a business crippler. Oh, I can speak to that. My second book, well, actually my fourth that I'm contributing, but my next book that's coming out has been coming out for 16 months. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so you've and, inspired And that's me. not helping you or the people, right? <laughs> or who are going to be your readers. It's true. It's true. I can't, I just keep hemming and hawing. Uh, oh, well, I should include this message and this is something new and this is something I'm not talking. And I just keep adding and subtracting and I just need to, to your point, just get it out there. So thank you for inspiring you know, me to do that. You want me to give you a, a mindset tweak that might help you and your listeners out? Yes, please. So here's the deal. When I, um, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a recovering, I'm, I'm, I'm recovering on a lot of different fronts, but on the need to be perfect, I'm pretty far down that road, but I made a decision some, some years ago that I choose to be judged on the value of the content and the information that I share, not necessarily in the means in which I share it. And a lot of that has to do with my videos too, because I'm unscripted. I just turn on my camera every week. I share a lesson. I, I mess up my words because my mind is going faster than my tongue. And that's fine. People go, well, that's Jim. People know that's who Jim is. But, you know, even if he says the wrong thing or, you know, sometimes is perhaps a little silly, depending what time of the day I turn the camera on, <laughs> you know, the information is worth it, right? And so the, the content in the book, even though um, one of the stories I often t tell Tara is somebody once told me, hey, Jim, you know, after writing so many books and working with editors, I think you 
be a little bit better of a writer. Um, did you know on page, you know, a hundred and something, you have a dangling participle? And I have no clue what a dangling participle is. And, you know, I emailed back because, you know, he took the time to write, even though I thought, you know, I had a name for him. But I said, hey, thanks for letting me know. Uh, by the way, did you learn anything from the book? He said, yeah, I got a lot of good ideas. And I just let it go at that. So that was a big thing. If people people will will happily point out your mistakes to you, but at the same time, the only people who have time to write those things back are the people who are not doing anything. So you've got to be in action. Nobody's perfect. Choose to be judged on the value of the content and the information that you're putting out, not in how perfect that information happens to be. Oh, thank you so much. I <laughs> And, you know, in the world of blogging, Trolls are rampant, mm-hmm. and those are the people that will search for your dangling participles. You know what I mean? <laughs> like they don't—they don't even want to get your message. They just want to find your dangling participle and put it out there for the world to see. And you know, and they—they they feel somehow, I guess, that they're um, discrediting you by doing that. So I do appreciate when you that you put out there that it's about the message and not necessarily the means. There's, and, there's another expression which says the higher up the flagpole you go, which means the more success you have, the higher up the flagpole you go, the more your butt's going to hang out so people will poke fun at you. But that's okay because the view is better up there. Remember, the only people who are, are, are even exposed to, to criticism – and it, you can't even think, Tara, in the world of celebrity, you know, whether it's singer or actor or something like that. The only people who are getting exposed and picked on and pointed at are people who have achieved a certain level of fame for whatever reason. You know, but those are the people that are doing something. People who constantly pick people apart are the people who who subconsciously wish they had that, you know, that that kind of fame or exposure. I'm guessing, you know, there's sure. plenty of people who who are always willing, or as you call them, trolls. They're they're the people out there who are going to point fingers at you. But that's okay. I'm I'm all about building my business. You can go ahead and troll away all you want. <laughs> I call them Kanye's now. Because if they're not, if if they're not the one getting the award, they're going to put themselves on your stage. I love that. That's a great one. I love that. (laughs) Not that I want to give Kanye any more credit for anything, but hey, (laughs) you know, if it works, just go with it. Yep. So you talk about being, you know, that popularity and putting yourself up higher on that flagpole. And I know that that's a thing that a lot of business owners are struggling to do. And that's, you know, building their audience, building their list. We talked about that in the first segment a little bit. And, you know, the the statement today is that data is money, you know, that that list is what's going to get you out there. It's when it, it's what people are going to be looking for and how you're going to be seen and how they judge your credibility, quite frankly. I mean, if I have 50,000 fans on my Facebook page, I automatically have more credibility than the person who has 500 fans, even if I didn't get them organically. So I get do you, that. Yep. is there a trick to, to, to increasing your list? You know, it is. Again, it's all about value. You know, so many people fall back on um, trying to please everybody. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, what do they say in politics? I'm not going to grab the third rail because there's going to be people who hate me. There'll be people who agree. You, you need to take a stand for something. Uh, there's, there's another expression I, I think you'll, you, you and your listeners will like. You will earn infinitely more money for who you are than what you do, right? So 
I'll say it again, you'll earn infinitely more money for who you are than what you do. And what that means is there are, I don't know, 30,000 accountants out there. There's any number of chiropractors. There's any number of people who can write copy. Whatever it is, there are a ton of people who do it. The people who rise to the top are able to charge more and earn more are the people who have really worked hard to build their reputation, their status, you know, as, as to who they are, why they're the go-to person. So when anybody says, hey, I need this done, who should I go to? Oh, Jim Palmer's the guy for that, or Tara's the person for that, or, you know, fill in the blank is the best person for that. So it's all about branding and marketing and positioning. Now, yes, wisdom is important. I think in today, you know, with the with blogs and social media and everything, it's, it's just such an overload of information. It's, it's you know, it's kind of hard to stand out. There's two things that I think um, people can do when they're trying to establish their credibility. They need to be consistent, but they also need to be persistent. Now, I've schooled you a little bit, Tara, on the persistent part, you know, at the beginning <laughs> with the newsletter. But consistency is really important. And I'll, what do I mean by that? Well, you know, the opposite of uh, consistency in marketing is whenever the spirit moves me. So if I want to share something, boom, I'm going to post it to my blog. If it's twice a week, fine. If it's five times, I'll do that. It's when the spirit moves me. That's no way to build a business. It's no way to build followers. You know, I was a big fan of the show Mad Men, which just went off the air, and I know that was on Sunday nights at 10 o'clock. Now, what if it, what if it was on Sunday nights at 10 o'clock, and then next week it wasn't on because they didn't get the show done, but the following week said, you know what, let's drop it in on Saturday at 10 o'clock a.m., right? You know, you mm. have to be consistent. And another example, an everyday example, is how many people run into the grocery store and run to the back corner where the milk and the bread, is, all of a sudden they move move things around. Now the deli's back there. Now you got to go hunt down the milk. <laughs> That's annoying, right? Well, people change that up because they, they get bored or in, in a grocery store they do it because they want you moving around. But as a consumer, it, it's really hard. You know, I, I started my, uh, my uh, e-zine uh, about uh, seven years ago. It goes out 5.30 a.m. every Tuesday morning like clockwork, have never missed. My my um, videos go out Wednesday at noon Eastern time every week, never miss. My podcast gets loaded 11 a.m. on Thursday, and then every Friday at um, 8 a.m. I do a broadcast to my list called the Smart Weekly Marketing Update where I tell people here's what happened this week. But everything happens like clockwork, and in the printed media, world, Tara, it's like when you go to your mailbox, your fit, not your email, your physical mailbox at the end of your driveway, every, you know, probably the first Monday of every month, you're going to get your mortgage statement or your insurance, or you're going to get your gas bill, whatever those important things are. Have you ever noticed those things arrive the same, almost the same day or date every single beginning of the month? But yet the things that arrive sporadically, those are generally classified as junk mail. You don't want your marketing to be seen as sporadic junk mail. So if you're going to post to your blog three days a week, then do that three days a week. If you're going to, you know, whatever you're going to do, you've got to do it in a consistent manner. It costs you nothing extra, yet it implies there's a higher perceived value because it happens consistently. Wow. That is wow. awesome. And, <laughs> and here's the thing, Jim, you're, and you'll appreciate this, I'm sure. As a person who has ADD, I find that the only things that I'm really great at, that I'm masterful at, are the things that I have set to a schedule that I do consistently. Mm-hmm. You know, it's and it's so funny because... I don't enjoy blogging because writing is, I write in ADD, so it's very confusing. <laughs> uh, 
But my radio show, which is consistent, and and the marketing for that radio show, which is consistent, has the highest listenership. It has the highest click rate of anything that I do because it's consistent. That's awesome. There you go. You just broke the code. Now, you know, what's interesting is as long as I've been doing my e-zine, my podcast, my videos, all that, it is still a recurring weekly appointment on my on my Google Calendar. I mean, mm-hmm. every every um, Thursday there's a thing right next Tuesday's e-zine. So, and I do it on Thursday because if Thursday goes kafui, I can still do it Friday. So I just move the appointment. I've been doing videos now almost six years. Every Monday, uh, news out of Guru TV for next week, and it's, it happens every. And everything that's in my life is on that calendar, no matter how many. Because you know my life is busy, and if I don't see it, because I kind of live off my calendar. I mean, I, you know, I actually had like three alarms go off right before, you know, we did this interview, you know, Tara's calling you at 1140 for an interview. I know. And that's a, I need a constant reminder for everything, including things um, that are, that have been a regular part of your life. So, you know, that's use the technology that's available to, to help you manage that, um, your, your inconsistency. That's a great tip, too. Oh, my gosh. So much great information on this show today. I'm so thrilled that you joined us, Jim. And we're going to be putting your information up on our Facebook page for our listeners. And everybody who's listening, you can connect with us on Facebook, Parent Nation Radio, or on my website, TaraKennedyKlein.com. Until next week, everybody, keep playing. Parent Nation, why do we keep calling this the hardest job on the planet? Why don't we just appreciate the gift that we're given and try calling?